Left at the Door, a podcast and vlog where we, a group of friends, get together to talk about the things that we left at the door in order to love or grow, succeed or survive. And so sometimes we come on and it's the four of us, the core four that talk about the things uh, that we've left at the door, but then we also bring on guests. And so today we have one of Sarah's friends. Sarah, do you want to go ahead and introduce her? Yeah. So we have Kyra Button on today. She is a content creator, a leasing agent. She does a lot of cool things in Chicago and actually found her from YouTube. So Kyra, do you want to give us a little elevator pitch of who you are and really tell us what you are as a person? Yeah, so Kyra Button, I am a YouTuber, um, leasing agent here in Chicago, so I help people find their dream apartments. I am also a Trader Joe's fanatic, so I create content across um, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Um, and it has been super fun because I am a transplant in Chicago. I did not uh, grow up here or anything. I moved here in 2019, and it has been really fun to be able to document that journey and also just build a community of people around me who are also new to Chicago. You talked about being a transplant in Chicago. You're not from uh, the city. You're, uh, you came with Alex, your now fiance, and um, you guys have just fallen in love with the city. So could you talk a little bit about how you guys came here, why you came here, and why you guys love it so much and plan to stay? Yeah, so we moved to Chicago in 2019. Um, neither of us had even ever visited. He'd been once when he was like seven, but doesn't remember it. But we were living in Arizona. We'd both gone to college in Arizona, which is where we met. And we bought a house, thought we were going to stay there for a while afterwards. We're both in nine to five jobs that we really liked. And all of a sudden, one day, I just threw a fit on the couch and was like, I'm out. Like, I want to do something different. Like, I don't want to stay in Arizona anymore. Like, I want to leave and go grow. Um, and he went into work the next day and was like, I know there's an office in Chicago. Can I get transplanted there? And they were like, yeah, how about you go in like three weeks? And luckily it got pushed and we were able to move in like three months. But we basically like picked up and completely shifted our lives immediately. Um, and so I wasn't able to keep my full-time job that I was working. That's I was working at the Make-A-Wish. Um, I was working at Make-A-Wish America at the time when I was in Arizona, which was a super cool job. Um, the national headquarters is there. And if you're not familiar with Make-A-Wish Foundation, it's like Make-A-Wish America is the overarching umbrella. And then you have all of your local chapters underneath. Um, but I was on the celebrity and sports team at national. So that meant that my specific team handled any um, celebrity wish that any kid wished for. So that way we didn't have like 50 chapters reaching out. And I really specialized in WWE wishes. So <laughs> I've been to WrestleMania more times than I'd like to admit. And <laughs> yes. there's a lot of John Cena wishes, but mm -hmm. it was such a really, really cool and rewarding job. And I loved it. And when I had to leave, I bawled my eyes out, but I think it was truly like the best thing for me because had I not been put into a position where it was like, I had to make the decision if this is what I was going to do or not, I think I would still probably be there today. And love the nonprofit world so much, but you get paid in warm and fuzzies and you don't necessarily get paid in money. <laughs> um, and I also, I just don't think I was growing anymore. I think I was ready for that next step. So moved to Chicago, knew nothing, knew nobody. It was really, that was kind of the time when Alex and I also looked at each other. We're like, all right, if we're doing this, like you and I are in this for the long run. It's not like, we're not just messing around here anymore. And um, I always think that's really funny because we bought a house together. But that to me was like a financial decision. But moving here was like an emotional decision. Um, but we just got to explore and learn the city together. And 
I am obsessed with Chicago. It is my favorite place on earth. And I feel so incredibly lucky that this kind of fell into my lap and I get to live here because I love it so much. How do you go from Phoenix or was it in Phoenix that you were at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you go from Phoenix weather to Chicago weather? And Phoenix is all hyped up, but until you've burned yourself by trying to buckle in your seatbelt in 125 degree weather, it's not fun. It's not a good time. I my sister lived out there and her husband lived out there as well. And I loved it. And she she had that same mindset. And I was always like, why are you not like studying by the pool? She went to pharmacy school out there. I was like, why didn't you like study by the pool? You know, like take your textbook, lay it on the edge of the pool, stand in the water. And she's like, no, like you'll burn in four minutes. You know, and she's like, you're like an iguana. <laughs> That's like the thing when it comes to Arizona nobody appreciates the good weather days because it's either like nice year round until it's like fiery, flamey hot. And then nobody wants to go outside. But like in the months where it's nice, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to eat outside today. Like the weather will still be nice in two weeks. So no one takes advantage of it. Whereas in Chicago, like when we get that first warm spring day and it's like 60 degrees, people are calling off work. You see people in tank tops in 60 degrees, flip flops are being busted out. And I'm like, I want the people who get excited about it. Mm, That is a really good perspective. I didn't think of it like that. And maybe that's why I did love it being a tourist, like being from central Illinois and visiting her. I'm like, you are just wasting all of this goodness. But (laughs) I can understand that too. Like the whole, yeah, with everything being hot, you can't walk on the sidewalk, like no, barefoot. (laughs) Nope. That's not a thing. Yeah. I know. Everyone's like, my dog won't be able to handle the snow. And I'm like, you literally have to put boots on your dog to take them for a walk in the summertime in Arizona because their paws will burn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. After like literally two minutes, they're, yeah, it's on fire. So you're in Chicago now. You're loving it. I mean, talk to us about the fear of like changing jobs. I mean, there is a lot of listeners and viewers that are in your boat that were, I mean, it sounds like it's not as though you were unhappy in your job. You just, what was it? Did you just have a feeling, a calling? I mean, can you talk to us about that? I yeah, wouldn't even so awesome want to. Like, honestly, I would have stayed in my position had I been able to work remote. Um, I I loved, I really loved my job. I traveled a decent amount for it too. And so I was like, I thought it was realistic I could work remote, which is really funny looking back because now the entire organization is remote. But at the time they were like, hard pass. No one in your level is remote. And I was like, okay. So it definitely, it, it wasn't that I had like an aha moment of like that job wasn't for me. It was just kind of that environment, like being in Arizona no longer was serving me. And I I'd gone to college there. Like it was just like, it kind of became monotonous and I was ready for something new and exciting. And I think I'd always wanted like the big city feel. I think that just fit my mindset so well. Um, So what was even scarier was like, it wasn't that I was just leaving Make-A-Wish. It was, I wasn't coming to Chicago with a full-time job. I could have, I had interviewed even with the Make-A-Wish Illinois office, which ironically was like a block down the street from where I ended up moving. But I kind of took that time to realize I already had my YouTube channel at this point, but it was small, like really, really small. It was very much a hobby that I'd been doing outside of work hours. Um, And I was consistent, like I was posting two times a week and everything, but I wasn't making money on it by any means. Um, But I was like, all right, if there's ever a chance in my life that I am going to have an opportunity where I can really give something like the good old college try and dive straight in, I will never have that again than in this exact moment. So it's kind of a now or never, let's give it a shot. So I moved here and was like, I'm going to put all of my time and energy into trying to build a YouTube channel while still being conscious of like, I have to have income. Like we're living in this big city. Like we go out to eat. Like I am sharing this studio apartment with my boyfriend at the time. 
Um, and so I would wake up at like 4.35 in the morning and I would teach English online to kids in China, um, which is a f- job that my friend had been doing remote for years. And so I was teaching English from like 4.35. We're in a studio. He's sleeping like six feet away from me while I'm like teaching like bow bow. And then uh, at like 8 or 9 a.m., um, I would stop. I would work on YouTube for a couple of hours. Then somewhere around 11, I would leave my apartment and go walk dogs until like two. Um, Then I'd come back and from like two till six until he came home, I would continue just working on YouTube like every day trying to figure everything out. And it's really hard because there is no set road path on how do you grow as a content creator or how do you like learn to monetize? How do you like anything? How do you begin working with brands? And so I feel like I was just really in this phase of like trying to figure everything out. And I was like, I'm going to do this for one year. And if in one year, I'm not seeing the growth that I think that actually makes this realistic, I'll start looking into doing full-time jobs. But until I give it a year, if like I'm not even questioning it, fast forward to like 10 months is when the pandemic hit and we ended up leaving Chicago for a little bit. And so my year kind of got pushed, but that also was like such a great segue for me because during the pandemic was when I had the time to be able to get my leasing license, which ultimately led me to where I am in my career now that Alex, my fiance, was able to leave his full-time job to come work with me. Mm -hmm. So what does Alex do then? So we moved to Chicago for his job, which at the time was, he was working for a consulting firm that worked with financial advisors. He wasn't a financial advisor himself, but like did customer service things for them. Um, But, and he was doing that up until... April of 2021, which is April 1st was his last day with that company. And then we, when I got into real estate, it just boomed for me because my entire YouTube channel and following was based about apartments in Chicago. And specifically, like I talked a lot about my own apartments and how to organize and things. I had so many people reaching out, asking me where they should move in the city that when I got my leasing license, I just immediately had so much business. I like won an award for being like one of the fastest growing like newcomers in my brokerage and stuff. And I didn't, at the time I thought it was a totally normal thing. I didn't realize like other people weren't also winning this, Um, but it just hyper boomed. And we realized really quickly that I could not do this alone. There was just too much work, work to be done. And we had a lot of growth potential. And so Alex quit that full-time job to come work with me, which is one of the scariest things we've ever done, but ultimately was like by far the best decision we've ever made. I feel like once he quit his job, then you guys just like completely blew up with everything because then you guys got that really nice apartment and you guys were making all these hauls for Trader Joe's and vlogs. And then you just were busy, busy, busy with like tours and everything. So I feel like that really benefited you guys just from a viewer's perspective. (laughs) Yeah, it just gave so much more growth potential because now I had another set of hands and eyes to be able to help me with everything. And like, no one will know my business as well as Alex. Like he's been with me for every single step of the way was the first person that I even told when I like considered making a YouTube channel after graduating college. And number one, we just have so much fun working together. Like we literally love it every single day. But it also was really cool because from that point, instead of him kind of being like someone watching my career grow and being along for the ride, he was then like, all right, I'm in the passenger seat right here with you and like dove in on everything every day and was like helping me be more strategic and helping me pump out content. Like you can see it in my vlogs and stuff. All of a sudden he was so much more excited to like be in them and be animated and be his normal goofy self. So it just like the whole mindset kind of shifted at that point. And it was, it's, it wasn't, is so much fun because of it. 
Talk about the, you kind of said that about the mindset of starting a YouTube channel. Talk about that and where you're at, where the idea came from and what your vision was for it. Yeah. So at the time I had just graduated college, um, just a little bit less than a year before. And I was working at Make-A-Wish and it was the first time in my life where I would get off of work at five and I would go home and be like, now what? <laughs> like, what do I do? I wasn't living with roommates. I had my first studio apartment, which I absolutely loved. If you haven't ever lived alone, like I feel like that's like, I always tell everyone like live alone at least once in your life. Cause it was just like such a liberating time for me. And I loved it so much. Um, but I would go home and I didn't have roommates. And so I wasn't like constantly around people and I didn't, I, I didn't have essays that needed to be written or tests that I needed to study for. I had, I didn't have this like crazy to-do list that I'd always had from being in school my entire life. And I am a busy body by nature. Like I am not a good relaxer. I just don't enjoy it. And I like to be doing something at all times. And so I came home and I was like, what the heck do I do? And I remember because I had moved into my studio, I would watch tons of YouTube videos or YouTube videos at work, like all day, every day. And I would go to YouTube to be like, how to organize a studio or how to live in a studio. And instead, like all the content would be like family of five lives in 200 square foot tiny house. And I was like, cool happy for you, but like not what I'm trying to do. Like one normal girl living in 400 square feet. How do I do it? Um, and so I just started, I was like, all right, if no one else is making this, I'll make it. Like I've always loved video content. I did video editing in high school. I like, was one of those kids who just like, I always made little videos of my friends and things. I was like, I'll like, I'll try it out. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell any of my friends or anybody. Like I told like Alex and my mom, <laughs> that was it. And those are probably my only views I got in early videos. Um, but, uh, I just, from the time that I started, I treated it like a job and I was like, all right, two videos a week, like no matter what, if I'm traveling, like two videos a week, it doesn't matter. And I, all of my early videos were just about living in studio apartments. I kept it super, super niched. And I think that really helped me grow. Um, but it also, it, YouTube is such a long haul and it took literally like two years for me to hit a thousand followers. and but once you start to get that payoff, it's so worth it. And it's, you're just like so proud of yourself because you put in hours and hours and hours of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I love that your channel has grown into is just different things. Uh, because like I found you from Chicago, I had moved to Chicago. And even though I had friends in the city, um, I just wanted, I, I love watching vlogs. I love mm -hmm. them so much. So I just wanted somebody that I could relate to. And that's how I found you. And so now it's not just living in a small space, which I could also relate about because mm -hmm. I, I live in a studio apartment now, but I had, I was, had a roommate. So it was just my bedroom and I had to organize that with no closet. So I mm -hmm. found that. And then I found your old studio space stuff. And then I found content from before the pandemic. And I was like, I want to watch this because <laughs> I don't <laughs> Anything about a pandemic right now so yeah. it's, it's grown and you guys have really found your um your bread and butter with that mm -hmm. so what does the future look like what are i mean what are the goals that you have between the two of you i mean what's the plans yeah so because real estate took off for me so well and so quickly um Within my first year of being an agent, I was able to develop a team underneath me. And my team is now at 13 agents, which is insane for me to think about that I am now like helping. I have a partner on the team, her name's Stephanie, but the two of us like co-lead this team of 13 people. And I'm just like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm excited <laughs> about it. And that on its own is so 
much fun and everyone works so hard and it's just like it's such a cool environment to be in I'm, I'm obsessed um so growing real estate is been a really cool thing that we definitely want to continue doing as we're looking to the future um but like one of the biggest things that has always excited me and led me into wanting to do content creation was that moment that I quit my nine to five. And even though I was working my butt off in those days, doing all sorts of weird side hustles, at the end of the day, I still got to plan out how I lived my day. And I didn't have anybody telling me that I had to show up at a certain time in a certain place and be there for X amount of hours and wear XYZ business casual. I got to be the person in control of that. And so as I look towards my future, especially like with Alex and like we're we're getting married and we talk about like having a family and stuff, I want to be able to continue being the boss of my own life and being able to wake up every day and make the decisions on what I do. Um, but right now, I, I think we've really found our niche of being able to create content and have so much fun doing it and like just sharing like how much we love this city. Um, but then also let that translate monetarily into the real estate side. And it's just kind of like, all right, how do we continue and keep this growing from here on out? Mm -hmm. We had another guest and he is a community leader and he started in broadcasting and then it just has continued to grow. And that's kind of how his career had snowballed and whatnot. And we talk a lot with, with his name's Tat. And we talked a lot with Tat about how other people kind of see his success and where he is at and is like, oh, I can do that. Like, that's, that's fine. I could have it to be instantly. I'm sure that you probably get that as well, where it's like people don't see the behind the scenes as to how much work it took to get you to the point that you're at today. Can you talk about that? Because I feel like it's not that you want to shatter people's dreams, but there has to be a realistic conversation of like, this doesn't happen overnight. And most people that are self-employed work 10 times more hours than those who work a nine to five. So mm -hmm. can you speak to any of those elements as well? Yeah. So I kind of want to agree and disagree with you at the same time on this is more often than like, I don't get a lot of people who come to me and are like, oh, I could do that. Like I, like I could be that successful every night. I get so many people who come to me and are like, I could never, like I could never be that good of a real estate agent because I don't have a following or I could never start a YouTube channel because who would want to watch videos about me or I, I don't know about editing or I don't have a nice enough camera. Like the list can go on and on of reasons of why people would want to talk them out of it. And I feel like I just am like a hype person a lot of the time because I always tell people, if you have any desire to get into any sort of content creation, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or whatever, a blog, it's photography, um, do it. Because the worst thing you can do for yourself is to not try. No one is going to tell you no if you don't even give them the opportunity by trying. You have to start and try. And the hardest part about starting a YouTube channel is starting. It's posting that first video. Uh, everything else from there kind of can become muscle memory. And you can learn editing and you can later upgrade to a nicer camera. You don't need any of these things to start you just need to start. And even myself, when I thought about it, I wanted to start a YouTube channel like six months before. And it took me six months to kind of push myself to do it. And if I would have started six years before, I would be so much further along in my career than I am now. But it's that holding yourself back. That's the worst thing ever. So I am always like talking to people and telling them like, whether it comes to leasing or YouTube or anything, try it because 
what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? You realize that you don't love it and you segue from there. Even YouTube, like YouTube is such a long haul. Like if you looked at the amount of hours that I've put into YouTube versus what I've been paid on YouTube, like it's disgusting. It is absolutely so <laughs> sad. Like I, I am much better off like learning to play an instrument on a street corner. <laughs> But it's because I love it so much. And so I also say, like, if this is something you're going to get into, you better love it deeply into your core. Otherwise, you'll burn out. Because if you think you're going to get into it for the money, like, joke is on you. You won't. (laughs) You will learn that really quickly as you won't. Um, But, yeah, I think too many people are quick to talk themselves out of their dreams than to give themselves the opportunity to try. Uh, You are absolutely dead on of it is ridiculous how much I work now like in comparison of when I did work at Big Vision I got off at five and was like "Mm -hmm, now I can do whatever I want I feel like I literally work every freaking waking hour but the good part is my work is what I love to do today I am working for an hour by chatting with you guys on this podcast like my days are so fun (laughs) but it is that I am busy all day literally every single day Mm -hmm. I can absolutely relate to that I think people joke a lot and they always say that like, I don't know, I guess I was trying to say that I like, I'm trying to take back the term, like, like workaholic. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. It has like such a negative connotation. Um, but there's a lot of things that I just think to myself, like there is a lot of connections and so many ways that this has connected other people by, you know, doing what I do from a marketing firm perspective. And I'm like, every day I feel like I get to help somebody, you know, in mm-hmm. some way, Form. Like you with Sarah working on my team, I'm like, we get to see that visibly every day that there is a connection to be made. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that even your content that is on YouTube, you may not ever shake the hand of a person that likes your, your, you know, your show or one of your episodes or whatever, but there is connections that are being made all the time, you know? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon, I feel like, are out the window. Like we are. <laughs> more connected now today than we have ever been. We have ever been. And I think it's a good thing. I really do. Yeah. I think that's why I love this so much. And I could never be someone who is doing a job that doesn't have that aspect. And I think it's because of my time at Make-A-Wish that like I learned what it felt like to get those warm and fuzzies. And I'm like, I need something that gives me that same like gratification. But dude, some of the messages I get on Instagram of like how like my videos have impacted people and I'm like, I don't, I don't deserve this. Like, like, I just want to be like, no, you're awesome. Like I've done nothing. (laughs) Um, or like in the leasing side too, that was something that I didn't expect at all. But like, I've worked with clients who we've toured apartments and then afterwards they've stood outside and cried with me and been like, you have no idea the situation that you've just saved me from by like helping me find this place. And like, and now I'm able to leave like this current awful thing I'm dealing with. And it's just like, I it's so easy to not think about the impact you're having on others, but the smallest things can literally change people's lives and their trajectories. And it's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like you're such an advocate for the city of Chicago. And I mean, people I see on your Instagram stories all the time when you post like different messages from people or like if you do a question or Q and a or something and people ask about Chicago, you can tell that a lot of people have fallen in love with the city just through your vlogs or through the apartments that you show on your Instagram stories and stuff like that. So I feel like that's a really awesome um, feedback, a way to get feedback to what you're doing too. Yeah. I mean, 
I literally think Chicago is the best city ever. I grew up in San Francisco. And so Sarah thinks the same thing. Common. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up going to the city. Um, So I'm from central Illinois and my mom would take me every summer. We'd go on an American girl doll trip and that's how I fell in love with the city. And then I went up to, I went to school at Olivet in the suburbs and I, my parents were dead set on me not going to school in the city because they thought it was just so unsafe and they were so worried about me going up there. And so when I went to Olivet, they said, you're not allowed to go to the city. I know you're close to the city, but you're not allowed to go to the city. And guess what I did? I went to the city all the time, all the time. So, and that's, that's when I really fell in love with the city and then I moved there, but I definitely want to come back. Mm -hmm. So, so how do you feel like, the shift of you moving basically halfway across the country, how, how, what did you find in yourself by doing that? Because it was uh, more than I just- I had no idea I was like extremely entrepreneurial. Like I, I'm right there with you. Like I, I am a workaholic and I am proud of it. <laughs> like I, I had no idea that I had that hustle in me. And that I think was probably the most telling thing. It would have been super easy for me to move and be like, oh, this isn't working and throw in the towel. But I, when I put my mind to something, I'm determined and honestly, I'm competitive with myself to a fault that I will, I'll do anything to make sure I don't fail. So when I came and I was like, all right, we're going to give this a shot. I worked my butt off and I didn't know I had that side of a drive in me because at, at the time when working in nine to five, like I kind of just got to coast and I was good at my job and everything, but I, I wasn't pushed to go extremely above and beyond. Um, and I learned I could. Yes. Yeah. So what do you do then for self-care? So, you know, you said earlier, you're not really good at unwinding or like, you you know, when you have downtime, I, I mean, it resonates with me to a T. So what do you do? What is self-care for you? Um, Cook. I love cooking. I think that will always be like an easy way for me to kind of shut off and just focus on something I love. I, I, I love to eat is really what it is, but I also love the process of like getting to that step. Um, so that was a huge thing when I first started working for myself was I would work up until dinner. And then once it was like, okay, I can't, I, I literally can't answer emails and cook a store fry at the same time. So I have to choose one or the other. And it made it so that way I finally had the time to be able to shut off. And I still love that today. Like the nights where I cook meals are my favorite. Um, I have a, a fur baby and he is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I always say like, love my fiance, but my dog is the one who is my little spoon every night and wakes me up with kisses and fiance does not do that. Mm. Um, but, uh, I, and then when we're not living in a pandemic, I'm um, traveling is usually my big one of like, that's the time where I will take to like kind of let go a little bit and be a little bit more in the moment and just not have to have my life like so rigorously planned. Right now, like when I'm in Chicago, my calendar is insane and color coordinated and beautiful, but fully booked all the way through. <laughs> and um, when I travel, it's like I get to wake up in the morning and be like, all right, what do I want to do today? And just wander around and do whatever the heck I want. And so that's like my favorite way to unwind. I am not like a sit on the beach kind of girl that would drive me bonkers, but I am a like wander around and grab a couple beers here and there kind of person. So those are those are my big ones. So assuming that you know, all this COVID stuff just evaporates. Where's the next place you want to go? Like what's on your bucket list? So all things considered, I am supposed to be going to Bulgaria and Istanbul next month. So tickets are booked. 
we'll see if it happens. But uh, that is currently on the list. That'll be amazing. What made you those places? Was it work related or are you just going? I mean, did you have an interest? I always had an interest. Um, always had an interest and then had a couple of friends who had interest. And so we're, it's going to be my first time doing like a group trip. There's going to be six of us, but we're not, we're not going with like, I'm planning everything. And by planning everything, I'm like, I helped us book tickets and then booked our Airbnbs and we're not planning anything else. But we just had, we had some of our closest friends were like, yeah, we'd love to do that too. And I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I love that. So a couple of things that I think that listeners and viewers, there's a lot of times people are in that frame of mind that whether it's the job, whether it's the relationship, whatever it is, that they kind of feel like they're on that threshold of maybe needing to make a change. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you feel like, I know you said you kind of dove in, but how can you help viewers and listeners who are like in that same boat that kind of feel that, that feeling of like, maybe I need to Mm -hmm. do something different? I've talked to a lot of like friends who are in the content creation space too, that do it as a part-time while working a full-time job. And they're like, wow, like I'd love to do this full-time, but like, I just don't think I could leave like the stability of my full-time job. And same with um, people wanting to go into real estate because you're not salaried. Everything's hundred percent commission-based. And I've had people be like, but like, I don't like want to figure out my own health insurance. And like, I won't be on a salary and I won't get PTO. And it's one of those things that like you'll never be ready for. Yeah. Like no matter how much you prepare, you'll never be in a position where you'll be like, ah, oh, yes, now is the perfect time. It's kind of like you just have to pick a time and go with your gut and do it. And I think that's why I'm really lucky that Make Wish told me that I couldn't work remote because I don't know I don't know that I would have pulled that trigger myself. Mm-hmm. Um and so I feel like the cards just happen to lay out in a way where I didn't have the opportunity not to, and it happened, and I'm so glad it did. But I I think it holds people back a lot by just waiting for that perfect moment, and it will never come. You have to just make the decision and go with it. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. I'm, this is maybe a little bit of a morbid question, but working at Make-A-Wish, I mean, I, I know you are doing inspiring and miraculous things for children, but how did that not weigh on you every single day? Uh, so fun fact, um, Make-A-Wish does not only work with the children that are dying. We work with children with life-threatening uh, illnesses. So um, a lot of our kids, like a surprising number of our kids were like in remission from having sickle cell, but they'd gotten their bone marrow transplant already. So they're like in the clear or all sorts of different things. So not every single story is a sad ending story that you all have sad parts to them, um, Mm -hmm. which really do still weigh on your heart heavy. But a lot of them are like, you are looking at a happy rainbow at the end kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But of course, that's not the situation for all, not all life-threatening illnesses end with a happy remission story. Um, And it's so tough. And a lot of people burn out because of that, because it's, it's, a hard job. It really is, especially when you are on the child facing side. Um, there was a lot of days and honestly, so much of the time it would be really hard to see the families. Cause some of these little kids don't know what's going on, but like parents do and walking away from that, like it just like we had, we had, um, what did they call it? Like compassion therapy or something where it was just like, you're dealt with this so often and you see these stories so often that like you're going to need to talk to somebody about it because it's, it's tough. It just really is. But 
knowing the happy impact always made such a difference. Like I've had parents come up to me and say things like, I saw my child smile for the first time in four years, or like it always got me when I would watch the wishes being granted. Like say I, because I did a lot of these WWE superstars, seeing the kids meet their like idols. And I would turn around and watch like mom, dad, and brother and seeing those reactions over the kids were really the ones that like broke my heart in like the happiest way possible. Cause it was just like, there was just so much happiness in that moment. Yes. And so yeah. I think those were, those were the moments that needed to be held on to. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that it probably seems like two totally different career paths of like doing the make a wish and now doing real estate. But hearing you say that like, having those conversations outside of somebody's apartment of like, hey, you helped me to get into this apartment or this place and this is saving me from this situation. I feel like ultimately, you know, you are definitely an advocate and a people helper. Like, have you ever put those connections together of like, man, I just, I like helping people. Yeah, I have. And it's, I I think that's why it came as a bit of a shock to me because I didn't realize real estate was going to do that for me. Um, But when it did, I was like, Wow. Like I, 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 at the end of the day, I'm a people person. I'm drawn to people, but it, it made sense to me that I found something that I loved so much that also can help. And even like, even when it's not directly people facing, but seeing people's comments of just being like, oh my gosh, you helped me transform a space that I hated into a space I loved. Things as simple as that. It's just like, I'm a sucker for the warm and fuzzies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I really do think that you, like you said, it doesn't pay the bills. But man, it sure does motivate you mm-hmm. to continue to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When we shift over and we start looking at where you guys, your life is now, do you think you'll, I know you love Chicago. I know that you love where you're at. Do you think that you'll use this as a landing point to continue to move about? Do you think that you, you guys will continue to move? Or do you think that this will be where you continue to put your roots down? Uh, Chicago forever and ever. I literally have a sign like on the top of my desk right now that says that. Um, no, if you would have talked to me in 2019 before I moved to Chicago, 100%, I would have been like, I'm excited for my chapter in Chicago, but like, I never want to settle anywhere. I want to like move around and live in all of these different places for the rest of my life. I love traveling. Like, I know I touched on that earlier, but like, I don't feel like it's like nailed in as much. Like, I travel a lot. It is one of my strongest passions in this life. And I was always really dead set on, I wanted to travel full time and live all around the world. Fast forward to being in Chicago. So stinking obsessed with this place. I love that there is like, I'm in a hugely big city with like, it's expensive. It's still Chicago, but it's not as expensive in comparison to most cities of this size. Um, so cost of living is really good. Having the airport here so I can travel really, really easily. I'm in the center of the country. So like my family's more on the West coast. Alex's family's more on the East. We can get back and forth really easily. I don't ever see us leaving. It gives me everything that I'd want. Want to stay in Chicago forever. Always want to travel a lot. Like I want to keep that a big part of my lifestyle, but I don't have this desire to like move abroad and be somewhere long-term anywhere. I think also a big part of that is like having a dog now. Like I, ever since I got him, I was like, I mean, I can't leave Louie for that long. So what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Make your day
say all the time that this, within this decade that we are at, and I think a, a huge part of that we hear from a marketing firm perspective is that this right now is the era and the age of videos. And there's this huge conversation of like, this is just, it's fleeting. This is what it is now. It's going to turn into something else. People, they're not going to have the attention span that they want to watch something or they want to, can you speak to that being a content creator and like what your take is on what you do? Do you listen to that feedback or are you just like, I'm going to do my thing and stay in my lane? Like, tell us what your thoughts are. Definitely going to stay in my lane. I, I'm sure there's truth to it, but I think the bigger point of it is if video is medium that you love, then do it. And I talk to this when I have new agents who join on my real estate team as well. And they're wanting to grow our social media following to be able to get more real estate clients. And I'll tell them and be like, you have to figure out the medium that works best for you. If you're not loving making YouTube videos and you think it's really time consuming, but you really like video, then maybe it is go into TikTok and focus on those shorter, quicker, pump more, pump out them more frequently type of uh, content. Then YouTube is kind of more of like a long haul, like it's longer format. I think at the end of the day, YouTube does something really unique in that because you are watching longer videos, you feel like you're spending quality time with a person for more time. Um, like I know personally, I have felt more emotionally attached to people who I have watched lots of their YouTube videos because I've literally spent hours with these people versus people who I just see their photos on Instagram or I just watch their um, TikToks. I think stories on Instagram have kind of changed that a bit because those are so quick and in the moment and informal. Um, but having that connection is like, I think it is a little bit more rare and a little bit more authentic, I guess, for lack of a better word, through video. Um, I also like one of the things that I've dived into really hard across all of my platforms is vulnerability. Like it's really hard to embarrass me now because I am the first to embarrass myself. And I love it because I think it makes me a lot more authentic and a lot more um, relatable. Mm -hmm. Like I think people see my content and I, I never want to show up on social media and be thought of as like this perfect girl with her perfect life. I'm like, no, look, I got zit cream on. I have anxiety. Like my dog pooped on my bed last night. Like <laughs> these are the things that happen in my real life. And like, this is like, it's not always super glamorous and I want that to be shown. So I showcase that a lot across both my YouTube and my Instagram. And I think that it helps make people feel a connection to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something I really appreciate about your videos is that there's real moments to go with the fun moments too. It's not just Hey, look at me. I'm, you know, going through Chicago every day and going to all these restaurants and doing all this fun stuff. It's real raw moments too. I I try and just show good, bad, and the ugly because that is the reality of life. And I see it so often. And it honestly just makes me feel like empathetic and sad. Of there are some content creators who really glamorize every aspect of their life and that's it. And when I think about being a viewer and I'm like, if I was someone who was feeling a little bit more vulnerable at where I was in my current place in life, and I see somebody who's just showing that everything's amazing 24 seven, I would feel sad about myself. And I never want to make somebody else feel sad about themselves. I want to inspire people and I want to be a light of positivity, but also 
be be real and be act as if I'm somebody's friend because when you're friends with someone it's not all amazing all the time like they also come to you when they're feeling sad or lonely or whatever it is and so I I don't want to make anybody ever feel like their life isn't great because of something Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like your point about being emotionally connected to certain people on YouTube is a really valid point. I don't know if you know who Brooke Michio and Danielle Carolyn are. They have gals in the mm-hmm. go. They talk a lot about comfort YouTubers. And I feel like that's a very real thing. I have a lot of comfort YouTubers and you're definitely one of them. And so like, <laughs> I'll throw them on in the background while I'm working because I work from home. And so I have those going all day long and they just, they motivate me. And I feel like that's something that I appreciate about your stuff is that like, I can relate to it, even if I'm not, you know, self-employed and I don't live in Chicago anymore. I can still relate to you because of your emotions and that you showcase that. Mm-hmm. Brooke Michio is, uh, I hadn't personally heard of her. And there was a brief moment where I was signed by an agency for being an influencer. And uh, she was like, your content is just like Brooke Michio's. And I started watching it and I was like, oh, I like, I feel like our personalities kind of mesh. And now like, YouTube has also been like channels that are like yours and they like put hers and I was just like I don't who are you I need to meet you person <laughs> I now that you say that though mm-hmm. I see the similarities I feel like she's just the New York City version yeah. that doesn't do like leasing agent stuff she's just the We're wildly you know, different but I also can see, like, I feel like personality seems similar yeah she's really I love her I love her stuff she's mm-hmm. also I think one of the things that makes you guys similar is that you both show the real raw moments like we we're just talking about. She's very open, which I love. What about how do you, does it, I mean, you've used that word influencer and stuff like that. Does that word rub you the wrong way to be called that? It's yeah. not my favorite. Um, Same I think that. I've had to kind of accept it a little bit because it just is the reality of what I do. Um, I prefer content creator, but like influencer is like a career term at this point and it always blows my mind like because I post so much stuff and I post so many of just like random things that I like and use all the time like Trader Joe's hauls post tons of Trader Joe's hauls it's literally me showing off my weekly groceries but I love making it and like people love watching them but it always blows my mind when like I'll have people be like oh my God, and because you talked about this, this, and this, and this, like, I, those are all of my favorite go-tos now too. And like, I made this recipe you made or like, oh yeah, because you've talked about this place in the city, like I go there all the time or like I bought like those shoes because you had, or just like things like that. Like, I'm always like, you listen to me? Like, I'm not cool <laughs> enough. Like, why? <laughs> I don't know that I listen to myself, but okay. No, I watched your Trader Joe's hauls before I went to Trader Joe's when I lived in Chicago because I we don't have that here. So I never knew what to get. And that's a store that you have to know what to get in order to like actually get good stuff. So I that was like one of the things I was like, oh, she makes Trader Joe's hauls. (laughs) This is good. (laughs) Oh, exactly. So do you think that um, as time goes on, do you? Can you see yourself doing something else? Is there other goals, other passions that you're like, I kind of maybe want to tap into this a little bit, but you're just kind of dipping your toe in the water? Um, no, <laughs> not really. I I literally love what I do so much that it's so cool because especially when it comes to the content creation side, I just get to show off my actual life. And so even if my like life passions shift and say like I decided tomorrow to quit leasing altogether and move abroad and live out of a van for a while, I would start making content about that. And so it's like 
that can roll with whatever my current phase of life is, which is so cool. But honestly, like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to lose a love for apartments and Chicago. So I think that they just go really well hand in hand. But the content creation is something that gets to grow and evolve with me no matter what's going on in my life. Like I said, when I started, all of my stuff was about living in a studio apartment. I am now in a junior two bed. And like, we have two bathrooms. And this was I never thought I'd have this much space ever. And mm-hmm. my content evolved with me. Not everything I post about is studio apartments anymore. Um, it's cool that that can just move along. I think it'll be interesting to see when in a couple of years, like we do try and start having a family and stuff and see how my content in- evolves there. And like, am I going to be like a YouTube mom? I don't know, but it'll be like, I think that could be a cool shift in the realm of content, but uh, I I can't see myself making like a wild career shift where I no longer share my life with all my internet friends anymore. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't. <laughs> I know. I like legit, like there are so many people who I haven't met, but have just been commenting or like messaging me on Instagram for years. But I'm like, you guys are my friends. And like, I've met a handful of them in person now. And I'm like, it's always so funny to me because of how natural it feels like you would think if you've only talked to someone on the internet for years that it'd be weird but I'm just like no we're best friends like we've got inside jokes that's how we met because you posted about needing a photographer and then it just worked Mm -hmm. out and now we're just and you slayed it those were great photos thank you I had so much fun that's one of when people ask me what my favorite shoots are that's one of them that I say lies I just don't believe you you go shooting like cool musicians and things there's no way like me and Alex like and Louie no. being like held in the air really makes the cut that was so much fun and those, yeah those were really great that was a really rough week because Wrigley was missing and so I was like I get an escape <laughs> I it honestly was like perfect time I mean like with the whole thing with Wrigley I was yeah. like oh my god this is going to be such good therapy that she's getting able to go to like the city that she mm-hmm. loves and is obsessed with and oh then when the, we saw the pictures I was like oh my god that was literally dude I could not you showed up and we're like yeah my dog's missing and I was like <laughs> why are you here <laughs> No. Do I go with you to go look for him? Like, <laughs> what's going on? No, I had family looking for him. They they were dedicated to it because his previous owners were the ones that were like really looking for him because I was still working. And uh, my mom, she's a stay-at-home mom, so she was like going out there every day. And she's like, I'm going to go camping. out there today. Yeah. C- camping <laughs> overnight to like in, like, in the woods to find him. Yeah. But yeah, it was I a really it. I would do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago is a therapeutic place for me. And I got to go see my friend Antoine who owns Atmos Coffee in uh, Bucktown, I think. So that was, it was just a, it was a really good escape for that day. So Mm -hmm. what about when you look at, let's say your five-year-old self to where you are today, does it make sense this pattern and where you have landed where you're like, yeah, like this does not surprise me that I'm doing this cool shit. Or are you like, no, everyone thought I was a bookworm. They thought I was never going to talk. No, no, no. I mean, like, tell us about that. I, no, it makes total sense. I have been an attention whore since, like, birth. I've always just been, like, all eyes on me all the time. I am here for it. Like, I am super not surprised of, like, who I was as a child and how I've ended up today. A five-year-old self would be very disappointed because my dream job was to own a zoo of only baby animals, which, like, what would I do with them when they aged out? I don't know. But From she would be sad. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, no. Like, I was the kid, like I said, like, when I learned how to use a camera, I made videos with my friends all the time. Before I learned how to use a camera, I would just make my brother and his friends watch all of my performances 24-7. <laughs> and he always lost on it because he's seven years older than me. So, like, he'd be like, 12 at the time and I'd be like Jonathan watch and I'd pay Britney Spears on like my cassette tape and he'd be like 
no. And my mom would like stick around and be like, Jonathan, watch your sister. And she like, I was just like, couldn't get away with it. Also, speaking of your mom, she is the coolest person. I did not mm-hmm. know that she was, I grew up dancing. So when you came out and said that she was like a ballerina and all this stuff and you took her to the Joffrey Ballet, it was the sweetest thing ever. Your mom's pretty she cool. Is, she is pretty stinking cool. She, one of the saddest days of her life. I am uncoordinated to a fault. Like it is so bad. Like it, it, not even like as a cute quirky girl thing, like <laughs> it's bad. And um, my mom said one of the hardest days of her life was the first time she saw me dancing on stage. And she said, that girl does not have it. <laughs> like, she is Aww. not going to be a dancer. <laughs> Like oh heartbreaking for her to see. Yeah, I think she like she, uh, she was a professional ballerina who owned a dance studio and like birthed this tiny daughter, and she's all tiny, and she's thinking like, all right, next ballerina. She's like, oh no, like you are not, you do not possess the gift. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Didn't you say that she was pregnant while she danced for a little bit? Yeah, she yeah she was pregnant like with both my brother and I while she was still um, a professional ballerina, but uh, she always likes to tell me my first. Uh, performance was in the Nutcracker because she was like nine months pregnant. No, not nine months, like five months pregnant. I don't know. She was pregnant with me while she did the Nutcracker. That's yeah. precious. That is amazing. I love oh, that. This has been so good to like hear your stories and hear where you're at and what you left behind. And every episode we ask, you know, is there one word that would sum up or be a summary of like what you left at the door in order to get to where you are today? Yeah, I would say I've been thinking about this the whole entire time and I'm excited that I came up with a word, um, but definitely stability because I had come from working a nine to five and also fun fact, uh, at Make-A-Wish, our like health insurance was covered and so was like our vision and everything. So like I had like great benefits, um, but worked a nine to five, like salary job, had the benefits, whole nine yards, leaving that, but then even more having my now fiance leave his and to work with me and be like, we love each other very much, but we don't, we've never worked together. Like, is that going to be something that works? And had we not taken that job and had we just kept it because it was comfortable and we knew it was fine, we would have never had the opportunity to grow that we got. And so by being scared and vulnerable and leaving that stability, it just was able to direct our lives in exactly the path it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. That's such a good word. And it's such a good, I mean, story to hear because I do think people live in such a state of fear. It's the devil, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's like, and you know, I, I just think there's so many people that do have good jobs and you're just like, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know? Yeah. But I always say the phrase to, you know, my team and to friends and family and stuff like that. I always say like, you can't unknow something. And I'm like, once you hear it in your heart and your head, it's, it's never going to go away. It's never going to mm-hmm. go away. I'm sure that you probably heard that too, where you're like, man, I think this is what I need to do. And I know it probably is going to be crazy to other people if they're like, you've got a dream job. But mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to make that leap of faith. Yeah, absolutely. It, it You have to let go also of what you think other people are going to think about it. Because I didn't post, I didn't tell my friends about my YouTube channel for the longest time because I was afraid of being judged. And I always, when I talk to people who are wanting to start getting into any sort of social media now, I'm always like, I know you have that fear of like, what are people going to think? But for every one person you have, who's going to roll their eyes at you and be like, oh my gosh, I know Kyra from high school and I can't believe she's trying to be successful on Instagram and be an influencer. I have 99 other people who are standing behind me cheering me on. 
you mm-hmm. need to focus on the people that are hyping you up and proud of you and not the one person that's rolling their eyes because at the end of the day, that, probably, that person's probably really frustrated that they are not living their dream job and like moving towards something that's going to benefit them. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. So, and I think that it's just good inspiration for people to kind of, people have had, you know, especially with this COVID situation, people have been at home, lives have been flipped upside down. Mm -hmm. And I do think people are becoming more aware of what they need and what they want and what is working and what is not. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes that to like almost a snow globe to like shake it up and, you know, kind of see where everything is going to fall and how it's going to settle and be able to move forward from there. So, yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us about your story. And I mean, we'll share all of your social media because we want to connect you and connect listeners and the viewers so they can see the things that we're talking about. And, you know, Sarah has been obsessed with your channel for quite (laughs) some time. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like connect with it because like, I don't have that passion for Chicago. Mm -hmm. But when you see somebody passionate about something else, you're like, oh my God, like you, you feel that you feel Mm -hmm. that emotion and it's, it's real and it's the vulnerability. And I think that it is conveyed through every second that we watch you. Yeah. You're giving me that little dose of Chicago. I feel like there's not a whole lot of Chicago YouTubers that like vlog, at least that I have found. So that's why I really connected with you. So it's been nice to get my dose of Chicago when I can't live there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of these days when you look to move back, let me know and I'll help you find an apartment. Yes, you have some pretty good options, so I definitely (laughs) will. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was fun. I I had a good time chatting with you all too. Good, 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 good. Well, this has been another episode of Left at the Door. Mm -hmm.